When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. And he takes the snap. Back to throw. Under pressure. Avoids the rush. And he's going to fight out of it. Still fights out of it. Now throws it deep downfield. Wide open Tyree. Who takes the pass. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. From Laney High School in North Carolina by way of Chapel Hill. (laughs) Paul. (laughs) Paul just put this on. I know you're a Bulls fan. I I was too. Who wasn't in the... uh, Mid to late '90s, I just I just had the post of me as a kid with a Bulls jacket and a Bulls hat when I was like five. <laughs> I don't know when I was that young. I didn't. I, I just knew Jordan, and that was my like intro to basketball, NBA basketball. And I was just saying on my TikTok live, and shout out to everybody that pulled up for the TikTok live. That was cool. I did two hours live on TikTok during the first two hours of the show, but. I was saying on there, it's hard to be a NBA fan and NHL fan because they overlap. And when I was a kid, I I did rock with the Rangers and Devils because they won back-to-back Stanley Cups. And then I fell off in like 95, 96 with the like emergence of MJ and those Bulls. And it's good to be back to uh, watching some puck now. And Paulie just sent me that. I think this is the first time, like, with this frozen frenzy, these 16 games on, or this is the second time in NHL history that 16 games are scheduled and they staggered it. So there's six and a half hours of hockey tonight. And I think it's well played. I think it's well played because tonight is NBA, you know, opening night. And uh, you've got LeBron and the Lakers versus Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Right now that game is 97-90 with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think the Nuggets are going to come away with the win and then at 10 o'clock it's Suns versus Warriors they're gonna be shooting the ball in that game I'll get eyes on that but I'm in here watching the Devils who just went up 3-1 here's Bryce Salvador on my screen who I told you I met who we had the caller talk about his son's team and playing against them Uh, the Phillies are up 2-1 and uh, now on the line none other than our very own from Knicks fan TV CP the franchise what up my guy Keith, how you feeling, man? How you feeling? You know, I I, uh, I I just heard what you were saying about how hard it is to, to tap in with both basketball and hockey, man. You're so right, man. So for me, I got I obviously I got to tap in with hoops, and then I tend to catch hockey during the playoffs, which is you know the best time for me anyway, man. So I consider myself a very casual uh, playoff time Ranger fan. Yeah, and supposedly, and from what I've seen last year, Stanley Cup playoffs is. Uh, most exciting time to watch hockey. I certainly enjoyed watching the Devils knock off the Rangers, but I was home on paternity leave, not on the fan. I, I missed out on that one. You're you're a Rangers fan, obviously, Knicks fan, and they both share the garden. I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan and Devils fan, and uh, there was a time where the Nets shared the Rock Prudential Center with the Devils before coming over to Brooklyn. Man, let's let's get into the conversation. You know, the NBA is on tonight, and tomorrow both the Nets and the Knicks are on, and here we go. We start a another 82-game season, and the hope is that both teams are playoff teams and that they take a step forward. What are you thinking about with the Knicks? I mean, before the whole Giannis and uh, Dame 
grouping. I don't yeah. even know what to call it. Before the whole Damian Lillard to, to the Bucks thing and before uh, Drew Holiday to the Celtics thing, I think a lot of people were looking at the Knicks like they could compete for the uh, chip or at least come out in the, you know, the East. But now I think you know the, the complexion has changed a bit. But what what are your eyes saying? What yeah. are you seeing with the Knicks? Yeah, you know, I, I think at, at this stage in the game, Knicks fans are very much used to the chatter and the noise around the team about the rumors. And I, I think, you know, I can't speak for every every fan, but I just feel like it comes a point where it just falls on deaf ears because either no one comes here or or the team's just used the Knicks to, to up the, the, the bidding war. And so, you know, we did hear about the, the Lillard talks and, and you heard the Giannis rumors, but I don't think it really – moved the Knicks fan into into really thinking that either one of those was a realistic possibility. However, if you go back to last year and you go to the acquisition of a Jalen Brunson, a lot of fans are saying, okay, yes, that's a good move. It, it helps us at the point guard position. It, he, he provides some stability there. But I'm not sure how many really realized how, that we really got a star here. And that's the storyline that really emerged last year was that, you know, Jalen Brunson really had arrived on this national stage. He came out of the shadows uh, from Luka Doncic and, and Dallas and, and emerged on the garden, the hardest place to play, and, and took it on by storm. And so now they're going into this year, they're running it back with the same team. They add DiVincenzo, they subtract Obi Toppin, but it was a team that was competitive. It was the number three team in terms of offense in the East, an electric offense. When you look at what Brunson and Randall are capable of doing, they have some young players who you hope can move the needle for them, whether it's quickly, it's Grimes, hopefully it's R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson. And so I think you're looking at another competitive, competitive season from the Knicks if, if they stay healthy. But obviously this team still has a ceiling on it uh, because they don't have that big fish acquisition just yet. Yeah, I mean Brunson's not only a star; he's a steal. You know the yes. contract that they got I this at guy. Contract, at. man, steal. A <laughs> hundred, a hundred mil for four years. I mean, that's what Cam Johnson signed for <laughs> with the Nets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's an absolute steal, man. I mean, when his contract is up, he's going to be making double that. <laughs> because you're seeing guys in the fifty. $60 million per year range, Jalen Brunson is going to be approaching that as soon as his contract is up, which I believe he's, he's got a team, he's got a player option in uh, after 24-25. So that's going to be soon. Next, you're going to have to make some uh, some crucial decisions there. And speaking of stars, I know you saw the rumor that the Knicks are willing to offer a trade package surrounding Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, Mitchell Robinson, two or three first-round picks. For Joel Embiid, I say, nah, hell nah. <laughs> not for Troll Embiid. Not with the injuries and the antics coming up short. Never won anything. Uh, you bring that guy over here and you give up all of that talent and some picks. I don't think that that's actually what the Knicks need to get over the hump. What do you say to that? Man, that's practically the whole team. I mean, you talk about three starters. Your most important piece at the five in Mitchell Robinson. Two to three picks. But I do believe that that is going to be the type of, of haul that Daryl Morey is going to want for Joel Embiid. I mean, this this is the, the reigning MVP uh, for the Knicks. That's a tough pill to swallow. That's very, it's a very, very steep price. But the Knicks are in a, are in a position now where if you just saw that that Giannis have re, has re-signed with the Bucks, um, maybe Donovan Mitchell becomes available. But 
they're going to be faced with a decision to make within the next year or two when, again, when Brunson's deal uh, becomes available for extension where they're going to have to put their chips into the middle and try to, to acquire peace that can really help them compete, be a true contender for the championship. I'm not talking about, you know, being a t- contender in terms of things breaking right for you or things going well for you or having an overachieving type of season. I'm talking about year in and year out when they think about the final four in the NBA, the name New York Knicks is stamped on there. You know, that's where they want to get to. There's going to come a point in time within the next year or two where they're going to have to put their chips in the middle and get that guy. Is Embiid that guy to go get? You know, there's a lot of questions, whether it's durability, it's it's the playoff clutch, the clutch before, lack of clutch performances in the playoffs. There's there's a lot there where you say, ah, I'm not so sure, but they're kind of running out of options right now, Keith. I mean, a lot of guys are sticking around with their team, and the Knicks are in a position right now where they've got to go get someone pretty soon. Yeah, it's the NBA. You know, these guys move around every other season, every deadline, every summer. The complexion of the NBA can change. I mean, we're we're about to see it tonight. Brad Beal and KD on the Suns, like, yeah. how did they get over there? But I'm not even going down that path. <laughs> IQ, your, your man, Emmanuel, quickly. So his contract extension, uh, they failed to reach that. And I've been talking a lot about the young players on the Knicks and how I feel like there's guys that need to take a step forward, right? They're not young players anymore. They're not rookies anymore. They've had enough time. And I think IQ is a guy that can take an, another leap. Do you think this is like a prove-it year for him? Do you think this is a year where uh, he bets on himself and then he says, hey, you know, yesterday's price is not today's price. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, th- I think IQ is going to take a page out of our guy Aaron Judge's book, man, because uh, with these contract extensions stalling out yesterday at the deadline, it, it was clear that Quickly's team uh, that were looking for a certain price and, and the Knicks weren't willing to match that at the moment. And it just seems that this has kind of been brewing for years now where Quickly and his camp believe that he's much more than just a bench player and a supporting cast member. If you look at his contributions to this team being a two-way force off the bench for them, being Mr. Fourth Quarter, in many respects, Tom Thibodeau is probably his most trusted player. When it, I mean, outside of Brunson and Randall is big, too. I think Tom Thibodeau, if you, if you look at how highly he speaks about Quickly and his actions, it just tells you how important Quickly is to this team. I mean, you take him off of this Knicks bench, and they're nowhere near what, what they were, what they have been over the last few years. I mean, Quickly has, has been that good for them. So it's a business decision on both sides. For Quickly, he looks at his draft class and looks at his peers. I mean, Jaden McDaniels gets a five-year, $132 million deal from the Timberwolves. You have Devin Vassell getting a big bag from the San Antonio Spurs. The only difference is with those guys, those guys are starters. Right. And so what San Antonio and the Timberwolves are doing, what a lot of teams do is they're going to invest in their young players and give them that big contract to say, this is what we believe this player is going to be worth when they truly hit their ceiling over the course of this contract. For Emmanuel, quickly, that ceiling is a bench player behind Jalen Brunson. There's no pathway for him to be a starter on this Nick team. And so his role is going to be limited. And so from the Knicks side of things, they're looking at it like we can't pay this guy northwards of 25, 26, 27 million dollars per year if he's going to be coming off the bench. That's just not savvy business. So both sides are looking at it in, in terms of what's best for them. It's going to be left to be seen how this thing plays out during the summer because with quickly under his contract, rookie contract deal right now 
they're, they have an easier pathway in trading him. Let's say, let's say a miracle happens and the Embiid trade does present itself to the Knicks. They, they have the ability to trade quickly and his contract. Um, does he leave in the summer? Does he go somewhere else? You have to the San Antonio Spurs, Utah Jazz with cap space, or do they match the deal? So, you know, there's three options there, but the risk is, you know, heading, moving this thing into free agency, the risk is that he could potentially go for nothing. And that would be terrible, an atrocity for the Knicks. So they certainly can't have that happen. A couple more questions for you. So does Evan Fournier get an opportunity? Does he get off the bench? Does he get to play? Is he going to have a role this year? He seems like he's lobbying for one or Ben. Oh, he's he's been on a mission, man. He, if you looked at him at the preseason, I mean, he was letting it fly every chance he got. <laughs> and so he wants to play. Uh, and, and you know what? The, the thing with Fournier is like deficiencies aside, and especially in, in today's era of load management and, and guys really milking it in certain respects when it, when it comes to certain games, I give credit to a guy like a Fournier who, despite making a pretty penny, is hell bent on on playing basketball. This yeah. is what he loves to do. He's a competitor, so I give him credit there. Uh, but I I just don't see it in this rotation. I, I just don't see it in this rotation. I mean, you have your your starting five, and then off the bench you have Emmanuel Quickly, who we just talked about. You have Josh Hart, who they just signed, and and again a Thibodeau guy. They just signed another Thibodeau guy in a Dante Divincenzo. You have um you, you have Isaiah Hartenstein, and then you're gonna have one of your big three staggering with that second unit so you have a nine or ten man rotation already i don't see fournier getting into this thing unless there's an injury and and he's needed and so unfortunately that's just gonna have gonna be how how it is for fournier uh until they're able to uh to to make a trade speaking of the young guy stepping up i expect rj barrett to build off what he did in the summer i'm not even worried about him his shot looks better i think he's gonna take another step forward but you know, Julius Randle is not a young guy. I feel like he's got to take a, a a step back sometimes and defer to some of the young guys and realize that, like, he doesn't have to shoot every shot. He doesn't have to win the game, right? You do have other playmakers on the team. And sometimes you just got to get bored. Sometimes you got to pass the ball. You don't have to shoot every single shot. And I think this year, as his second year playing with Brunson, like, we need to see that from him. Do you expect to see that, or do you expect it to be the same old Julius Randle? Yeah, you have to hope so, right, because – as the Knicks as the Knicks continue to star gaze, if they don't get one, hey, you need internal improvement. You need internal development, and the pathway to that is if your star players emerge and shake their demons. And for Julius Randle, that's going to come in the playoffs. I, I have no worries about him in the regular season. He's going to perform. He's going to deliver. He he is a a high performing offensive player, a very skilled offensive player. I mean. Two-time also, two-time All-NBA is, is nothing to sneeze at. You have to put respect on that. But when it comes to the playoffs and when things slow down and it, the game becomes a chess match and, and, a, and a, a test of physical endurance, I mean, you're, you're beyond game 82 now. You're into the extra, extra innings, to use a baseball term. And that's, to me, where the true stars of the game emerge because they're able to not just use their physical gifts, but they're able – to use their mental capacity to be two steps ahead of a defense that's, that's tightening, up, tightening up on you in the half court, of a defense that's going to be super physical. They're going to send the two or three guys to your attention. So for Julius Randle, it becomes, can he make those quick decisions? Can he do the dirty work, as you say, to make his teammates better? 
Can he do make the plays, uh, be a, a solid defender, a tenacious defender when his team really needs it? That's the thing about Julius Randle is like when he does those things, he looks spectacular. The problem is, is that he can't do it consistently. And he hasn't shown the ability to do that consistently and, and consistently. And that's why some of this fan base are sour on him because they don't feel like you can trust him in a big spot. So this is another year, another prove it year for Julius Randle to, to shake the demons and silence the naysayers. And he's got a, a great opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think he's been around long enough. I think this is a, a adjustment year. I think that uh, what we heard from him over the summer on uh, Paul George's podcast was good to hear. Yeah, uh, even with the way that you know the season ended and you had fans tearing his poster down and blaming him, like I think he just knows where he is and what he needs to do. And I expect him to have a, a good year. And they need to have a team year. All right, last question mm-hmm. from the heart of the five boroughs is go New York, go time. That hype video, man. <laughs> Tell us how the the Knicks reached out to you to be in it. Tell us about shooting it. I have not stopped talking about it since I stumbled across it on Twitter. I'm like, yo, this is so authentic and real. They got CP, the franchise, in the hype video. And like I said, now that the Knicks are good, it all plays better. It all looks better. It all feels real. So let's talk about how that came about. Yeah, well, I I don't think I haven't st- I haven't stopped watching it. I think I'm on like <laughs> replay number one hundred, man, because it, it gets me more and more hype every time I watch it, man. And and I have to send a shout out first and foremost to uh, to New York Nico, you know, the legendary New York Nico uh, captures the heart of the city, I think, better than anybody at this stage of the game. Uh, the the true culture uh, of New York, man. He does a really good job of really tapping into that and the storylines and. He's been a fan of Knicks, fan, of Knicks fan TV for a number of years. And, you know, we had kind of been going back and forth for a while. And, and he hit me up and said, look, man, I, I need you for this, uh, for this shoot. And, and I need you to, to, to assemble the, the cast of, of fans and creators who you believe would be best for it. And so I, I told him, hey, man, no problem. I got my, my gang together, got the list of people together who I felt like will be great for, for the shoot. We went out there on a Saturday, a uh, pretty, pretty long shoot, man. I think we were out there from about, uh, from about 10 to about four with a little, with a little lunch break in between, man. It's a, it's a lot of work, a lot of cuts, a lot of takes. I mean, you, you, what you saw was a one minute reel and we were out there for eight hours. So that's, that should tell you, you know, how, uh, you know, it, it could be difficult, but at the end of the day, it was a, it was a tremendous experience, man. Like when I got there in the morning, and I'm going through MSG, and this is in the morning time. No one's in there. But when I was in there, Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell were shooting their part on the MSG court. And so that was really interesting to watch. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, from a media perspective, if you're into media, if you're into content, I was – I don't know if I was in more in on being in a commercial or just watching from a behind-the-scenes standpoint the number of people that are involved, the number of stakeholders involved, and, you know, everybody just, just moving at the same beat and really coordinating. It was incredible, man. From the lighting guy, the sound guy, the key grip. I didn't know what a key grip was until I, I, w- I went to this commercial shoot, man. So, again, just incredible work by New York Nico and his team. And, and you know, as, as a diehard Knicks fan, it was a dream come true to be a part of that. All right, I got to sneak one more in because when we come back, I'm going to build up the Brooklyn Nets and Brooklyn Nets fans. Yeah. Are the Knicks going to dominate the Nets this year? The only banner that Katie and Kyrie were able to hang up in Brooklyn is a banner that says we never lost to the Knicks.
man, <laughs> as soon as those guys left, it was like a dark cloud lifted up from over me. Nixon like, <laughs> can finally be competitive. So, look, I, I, I can't say dominate because anything can happen on a given day in the NBA. But I will say they will be more competitive. It won't be lopsided. It, it won't be a, a, a next, you know, sided type, type of uh, series. I think both teams will, will play hard. Look, I love what McCall Bridges – I loved how McCall Bridges looked last year with the Nets, man, because he really elevated his profile from an elite 3-and-D player to a guy that has a lot more shot creation in his bag. And so he was a guy that, you know, to this day it pains me that he was right there sitting there for the Knicks to take in the draft, and, and they try to get smart with Kevin Knox, who's now in the unemployment line. But, look, I, I think the Nets still have some, some, uh, some young talent. When, when you look at McCall Bridges – you look at the young center. I mean, they still have some pieces of Cam Johnson. Love Cam Johnson's game. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to running back the battle of uh, the battle of New York, man. Looking forward to seeing that this year. Yes, sir. The battle of the boroughs, Manhattan versus Brooklyn. Uh, stay tuned for that Dennis Smith Jr. revenge game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's coming. I know DSA is getting ready to throw it off the backboard and yam it on somebody. But uh, look, even him, man, you know, a lot of people wrote him off, myself included, when he left the Knicks. But he, he certainly uh, tried to find a home, tried to find a home with Charlotte last year, and hopefully he could continue that with the Nets. Yes, sir. You going to the game tomorrow night? I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there, man. We're, we're going to have a watch party, a happy hour and a watch party at the Dean. That's on 214 39th Street and 7th Avenue right there by the Garden. And then I'll be leaving the Dean and uh, heading over to the Garden for the opener. So wouldn't miss it. Yes, sir. CP the Franchise. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at CP the Franchise. He's like a couple followers away from breaking 20,000. I just followed Nick Fan TV. That's something I never thought I would do being a Nets fan. But I saw you guys were following me, so I'm showing love back. It's all love. We're back to basketball, back to the NBA. We got the Knicks on tomorrow against the Celtics at 7, and we got the Brooklyn Nets on against the Cavaliers. We'll have the call of the game right here on the fan. CP, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you, brother. Keith, anytime, man. Good to hear from you, and uh, let's chop it up soon, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, you guys have probably heard his shows on the fan. You've probably seen him on SNY TV. I mean, the guy built a brand for Knicks fans, and it's not going anywhere ever. It's a part of like watching basketball is part of, you know, what these Knicks fans do before, during, after games. They go to Nick Fan TV to talk, to meet up. It's a community. Uh, you get real takes and reaction. And, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy, I say stay down till you come up. Knicks fans have stayed down and now feels like a part of the come up. They're going to win games. They're going to be competitive. And it's going to be a good basketball season. You know, like I said, the, the Knicks and the Nets rivalry, it was one-sided for a while. Us Nets fans had our fun. Now we just have a question mark over the Brooklyn Nets. We don't know what they're going to be. But I'll say this, Nets fans that are listening, it's going to be refreshing. New Talking Nets is out now. I, I, I did Talking Nets for like 45 minutes today, and it was good to get back to my community of Nets fans. This Nets world has been built, and I've been saying that for over a year now. And what I mean by that is this Nets world was built on the backs of KD and Kyrie and James Harden and Blake Griffin and... LaMarcus Aldridge and all these players that came through the last three, four years, right? They, they brought national attention to Brooklyn. They brought stands and uh, outside fans that are just player fans to Brooklyn. And they sold tickets and merch. And, you know, I remember being in London this time last year, seeing Brooklyn Nets merch uh, in the Nike town and even in the airport. And I'm like, okay, now the you know, Brooklyn Nets are a global brand, a world 
brand. This Nets world has been built. The Nets do have fans. You don't hear anyone joking and saying, oh, the Nets don't have fans anymore. And now the Nets fans have a team that they can get back to rooting for without all the nonsense, without all the other stuff that has nothing to do with basketball, without these superstars that only play half the time. We have an actual team of guys that are going to get back to playing basketball, a coach that actually knows how to coach basketball, a former net. And I I just think you can get excited about the fact that you don't know what's going to happen with Brooklyn, but you know there are enough guys on that team that if they lock in and they play, we can have a fun season. I love what Spencer Dinwiddie had to say today, talking about how Nick Claxton should be up for Defensive Player of the Year. Mikel Bridges is a dog on the defensive side. You already know what Ben Simmons does defensively. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith was brought over here, 3 and D wing. Royce O'Neal, there's a bunch of guys, and I'm probably forgetting a couple other guys, that can play defense on the Nets. And so their identity is going to be, we're going to lock down, we're going to play defense. And it's cliche to say defense wins championships, but think about the Nets being swept the last two years. What happened to their superstars, KD and Kyrie? They got locked up. They got defended. Teams knew how to defend them, knew how to stop them. So maybe the Nets can figure out how to stop some of these superstars in the East, and maybe they have some guys that emerge into superstars like Mikel Bridges and uh, Cam Thomas, and maybe Ben Simmons turns back into an all-star. Who knows? We got 82 games to go. Just uh, real quick, what is a successful Nets season for you? Like, give me a six. What you're going to be okay with. I already set the bar yeah. on, on Talking Nets podcast today. It's crazy that Talking Nets is around for the fifth season, 210 episodes. I'm still doing it. It's like riding a bike. I, it was like nothing to jump back in. And I said, the last two seasons, the Brooklyn Nets were swept out of the first round. Right? They got swept by the Sixers. And they should have been able to win one game with Embiid out. And you know what? They fumbled the ball around and couldn't get baskets and whatever. The year before, KD, Kyrie were swept by the Celtics. The bar for me is to get to the playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets have a, a tagline, we are playoffs. They, they've hosted a lot of playoffs. In the 10 years they've been in Brooklyn, I think they've only missed the playoffs three times. So the bar for this team and this culture and the Barclays Center, which Michael Wilbon, we do have fans. It isn't the worst place to watch an NBA game in the league. It is loud in there. It's dark in there on purpose. The team wears black. It's like going to a Broadway play or watching some type of movie in there. You're watching the court. The bar for this team, in my opinion, is to get to the playoffs and win a game. That's a successful season for the Brooklyn Nets. With this win team, a, with this Win roster. a playoff game. Get win. into the playoffs and win a playoff okay. game. And you've done better than the last two years. You've done better than the bubble Nets, who were also swept by the Toronto Raptors. It I happen. think that, that's, a fair, that's a fair bar to set. And I think that Knicks fans probably want Second round, at least with this or with this core. Well, yeah, because now you had a taste of like you had a taste of it, and who knows if they actually add Embiid we, or Embiid. We went six games with the Miami Heat and, and, B, and they went Mitchell, on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So yeah, it depends on how it shakes out. Health is always important, of course, right? Of course, but that if Giannis yeah. doesn't get hurt, maybe the Bucks don't lose to the Heat. We'll we'll see. Health is always important, but the Knicks have a solid team. They obviously have a coach. And the Nets have a solid team. They obviously also have a coach. I think it's going to be an interesting basketball season. I'm ready for it.